The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Mac Shao! Mac Shao! What is that? What? Bob Stern knows what it is. It means make show in German. And we have a great show for you this week. My guest <laughs> in the ADD interview is legendary rock and roll photographer Ethan Russell. And I want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Lisa. Say hi to Lisa, everybody. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. How you doing? Hello, Lisa. Yes, Lisa. Phil, we docked the boat just so Phil could say hello to you. You okay, Phil? <laughs> yeah, the captain's pissed, by the way. He wants to get the <laughs> hell out of here. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so so, Yeoman Tagliferis is with us. Uh, so, yeah, the whole family is back together. And I am very excited because we get to Max Shao. <laughs> Can I tell okay. the rest of the class what that means? Go ahead. Where that's from? Yes. So when the Beatles were coming up, they were playing in these clubs in Hamburg and the club owners, you know, they, they had to play like ridiculously long sets, like literally like 12 hours or something like that. And the club owners would tell them, Mark Shaw, make show. You must make show Beatles. Yes. yes. And so they would they would get on stage and be ridiculous and play like demons, sometimes through the help of chemicals, but for like these <laughs> enormously long stretches. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yes. The Beatles show is brought to you by Preladin, I believe, was the <laughs> speed of choice yes, That's right. back then. Yes. But the reason I'm yes. in such a Beatles mood is because the Let It Be movie is coming out. The Peter Jackson Let It Be movie is coming out on Disney Plus over the Thanksgiving weekend. Ethan Russell, our guest, among all the other incredible rock and roll pictures he shot, he shot the Beatles' Let It Be album cover and was the photographer for the entire recording of it. Oh, yeah. interesting. It's amazing. Yes. Wow, so, yeah, he did cool. that, uh, and uh, I just flipped out when I got the opportunity to meet him. 
I am a big Beatles fan, as you know. I mean, the studio we're sitting in right now is called uh, Abbey Normal I'm Studios. I'm almost sure that was the name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, for you guys listening at home, he's not kidding. We have two murals, one to the back of him of the exterior of Abbey Road Studio, and the other in front of him... What is this, Adam? This right here is the is the control desk from Abbey Road Studio Number Three. Uh, the Beatles did "Tomorrow Never Knows" on this. Uh, Pink Floyd recorded on it. It's uh, yeah. For those of you who don't really know, now you have confirmation that I'm a freak. So, <laughs> well, I, I would go more with nerd, but freak is good too. Okay, thank you. I'm I'm a furred. How's that better? Yeah, good. So the Let It Be movie is what I liked about the previews I saw so far is they were happy in it. The Peter Jackson, who directed the movie, shows them gave us a preview of clips of them dancing and laughing and everything. Mm-hmm. It really like kind of wasn't the case. The band was kind of falling apart, and Paul was trying to keep keep everything together. And John was like, "Hey boys, this is Yoko." So there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, and and in essence, the the original movie, the film of Let It Be. It was it basically became the film of watching a band break up and not just any band, but like the the hugest band in the history of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And it was so sad when you see those original cuts, you know, the original version back from like the 70s when they did it, you know, because everybody seems tense. Everybody seems very Mm -hmm. unhappy. And there's that famous George Harrison back and forth with I think it's Paul when he goes, just tell me how you want me to play it. And if you don't want me to play at all, Paul, I won't play at all. And, you know, he was just miserable. And so to hear that Peter uh, Jackson has like, has brought some joy, found like joy in those moments. And you see a different side of that. That to me is why I'm excited to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you don't want to be there Mm -hmm. because of the tension, how do you create? Uh, You got to do the best you can, but it's going to come out on your face. I mean, look, look at Phil. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just <laughs> see Ada, see, I know you to be like a lunatic Beatles fan. I, I'm not. I mean, I, I, I love them. I love the Beatles, but you know, and I know the song Let It Be. I know it. Do you guys know the story behind that song? I do. Tell Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all started no. Um, no, it's very interesting. Paul McCartney's mom died mm-hmm. and he had a dream after she died. And she said something like it will be all right. Right. Which he perceived as let it be. So when he woke up, he wrote this song about that dream. Yeah. Which was so interesting because if you, you know, the, the first lyrics, can you sing them? When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. That's his mom's name. That's his mom. Yeah. Isn't that which, cool? Which is really oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know me, Alex. I love anything to have to do with spirits, and I love that kind of stuff. I just do. I think that's for me. I always thought uh, uh, Mother Mary come to me was the Virgin Mary. I didn't know it was his yeah. mom. That's I love that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Paul McCartney's mother visits him in a dream. He writes one of the greatest songs of all time. Phil's grandmother visits him in a dream, and he goes on a cruise. That's it. <laughs> hey, this is where she wants me, pal. Yeah. Wants me. Phil, you know what? But Phil was visited by a ghost and contributes nothing to society. Oh. He goes on a cruise because oh he's selfish. What the fuck? <laughs> That's pretty rough, Adam. He's selfish. How am I selfish? What you, are you talking about? You went on a cruise for you. I'm working. I'm making money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing what I got to do. Oh, Would it man. kill you to write a song, Phil? Yeah. Jesus. Damn hey, it. I just wrote a movie script. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I actually, I don't think I ever told you, because I had a dream that uh, my father came to me in a dream. Mm-hmm. You know how much I love my dad. Yeah. Phil, you know how much I love my dad. And Mark, you've Absolutely. heard the stories. So this I'm was this was a good dream, because I, I was on the road. And I was, uh, you know, when you, you get a road burn, you've been out for too long. Yeah. It's like, I, don't, I don't think I've ever told you guys, if I don't smell my wife's hair at least once a week, <laughs> shit gets broken. All right. She just, she calms the big monkey down. <laughs> she okay. does. I just, I just need to be, I need to be, I need to be close to the queen. Otherwise it's Hulk smash. <laughs> so right. I was out for a couple of weeks and I was out way too long and I was, the anxiety was kicking in and my dad came to me in a dream and it just, it comforted me. I woke up in the morning mm. and I thought about it and I said, you know what? My, my dad is right. And I took Arizona and they covered. So, <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. He thought this was going to be some angelic, inspirational story, and it's about money. Yeah. Yeah. It's angelic inspiration. I hit a parlay. Thank you, Pop. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. 
Oh my goodness. That that's hey, pop. Hey. That's my father. Yeah. What, yeah. My father came back in this room. He would write and I go, Stop crying for me. I'm fine. You guys are gonna be all right. Learn how to love each other. Take Arizona and the money line. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yeah, okay. But I had so much fun talking to Ethan Russell. I mean, he photographed his photographs. I remember vividly as a kid, and uh, I, I get very excited. You guys are really going to enjoy this interview. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. There is a new Let It Be film coming out. Director Peter Jackson is working with the 50-plus hours of footage and making a new documentary that shows the positive moments from the recording sessions. The original documentary showed many of the band's lowest moments and painted a picture of negativity. It's going to come out on your face. I mean, look, look at Phil. <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. He has suffered for his art, and now it's your turn. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I would love to see you, and I would love to make you laugh. Come see me do stand-up. December 2nd through the 4th, I will be at McGooby's Joke House in Timonium, Maryland. December 16th, I will be at the Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania for one night only. And December 17th through December 18th, I will be at Levity Live in Nyack, New York. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. How long we've been doing this, you know I have to thank you. If you can make the show, please come up afterwards and let me share. Your hand. All right, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is. Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a writer, director, and one of the foremost rock and roll photographers in the world. He's a multi-Grammy Award nominee and the only person to shoot album covers for The Beatles, The Who, The Rolling Stones. His images also include Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Cream, Eric Clapton, Traffic, The Eagles, Ricky Lee Jones, Carlos Santana, just to name a few. He also directed and produced the final footage of John and Yoko walking through Central Park just a week before his death. Pete Townsend called Ethan Russell a civilized eye in the uncivilized art of rock and roll. Cole Porter is his godfather, and when I first met him, the words out of my mouth were, holy shit, it's you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Ethan Russell. How are you, pal? 
Uh, thanks for the introduction. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I actually I we're doing this. Oh, I appreciate you doing this. I that those are the first words out of my mouth for you and Glenn Johns, who I, I also had on the show. And I just want to let the audience know that I was doing a game show and my topic was the who, the who's next. The album was very important to me as a kid. And the celebrity judges at the end to answer to to give clarity on the uh, answers of the questions I had were you and Glenn Johns. And you popped on the screen and I went, Holy shit, it's you. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little piece to the NPR thing without yeah. going too much into it. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, the setup for it, the concept behind it, where you have two stars, which is you, mm -hmm. have somebody come on that you respect. You get a reaction from this, quote, star mm -hmm. that you don't get. That's real. That's enthusiastic. You know? Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm a look at me. I'm a grown man. I'm wearing my, my Quadrophenia shirt just for this. I'm, I'm a child. <laughs> right. And it's so, and it's so refreshing. I, I tell you, I don't mean it in any egocentric way. It's just refreshing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to start, I want to start at the beginning because uh, it, your story is just amazing to me. The Daily Beast says Ethan Russell has more luck than any human being should ever have in his life, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. And I use that. You know, I had I had a live show or did that that where I performed in front of like maybe a thousand people, that mm -hmm. kind of thing on stage, real proscenium kind of thing. Sure. Bunch of pictures. That's the opening call because it's because it's because it's real. It's sort of lovely in a way. It was completely impossible. You couldn't invent it. You couldn't say I'm going to, you know, people say, well, how do I do? How do I get to do what you did? Right. I don't have an answer to the question like that. There is no answer to that question. Right. Yeah. Well, there was yeah. no rock and roll photographer. That wasn't a job description. That's correct. Yeah. There really wasn't. So you, you, you're, you're in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and you, you have a camera. Your brother actually was the manager of Blue Cheer. Yeah. Well, in in the spirit of the times, he didn't play an instrument. He lived with him. Right. Okay. <laughs> so he became the manager. Yeah, right. Well, um, which is charming, and then and equally, may he rest in peace because he's no longer with us. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate because he wasn't a manager, and they were really huge, and I really don't to this day get the credit they deserve. They were one of the really first American for sure. Yeah. Heavy metal kind of group. Yeah, right. they actually, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Blue Cheer, Summertime Blues was their big hit, uh, which yep. The Who actually covered as well in uh, right. The Kids Are All Right. right. So you're in San Francisco. You, you you just go to London because that's where the British invasion happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the through line was, was music. Right. And music, and I don't know why, but music meant just so much to my generation and so much to me. And so, it, and I was coming from San Francisco, so I was coming from just this explosive, you know, everything you've ever read about San Francisco, Hate ashbury 60s, uh, you know, music, marijuana, and, and the lot, mm -hmm. and that just wasn't what I found. I found a, you know, thousand-year-old city yeah. that was cool, that I really liked, right, but it wasn't about the music in the same way, and so I was just sort of biding my time working in a hospital with kids, mm -hmm. with autistic children. When this guy walked in and said, I'm going to do an interview. Do you want to take the pictures? And I wasn't really a working photographer. And I said, well, okay, yeah, sure. Without asking. Right. Uh, and I, then I, uh, before he left, I asked him who, and he said, Mick Jagger. And what year is this? 1968. Well, he's just promoting Jumping Jack Flash has just come out, and so I guess he's just promoting Beggar's Banquet. Okay, so so they're big. Brian Jones is still in the band. Oh, they're big. Yeah, they're, they're big. yeah. This isn't you know. No, no, no. They're not starting. So you walk in. There's Mick Jagger. You're, you're, you're taking pictures, and one of the things I love about your photos is you don't really stage anything. You you make me feel like I was there. I mean, I think I said this to you uh, when we were uh, when I met you. Your those two pictures that you took of, of the who in rehearsal in 73 just opened up a friggin' door in my head. The yeah. one, the one where, where Pete, uh, Pete's up in the air with his legs open. The other one where his Pete's, his legs to the side. I'm just like, wow. I mean, but I felt like I was there and you never really staged anything. No, I mean, I really didn't partly cause I, I didn't know how partly cause I was too shy. Mm -hmm. Partly it was just like sort of mentally impossible for me to imagine but speaking of Townsend, Townsend would turn to me and say, tell us what to do. I used to piss him off that I wouldn't tell him what to do. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
<laughs> and I still wouldn't tell him what to do, right. even when he told me to tell him what to do. Right? Um, I think that partly in retrospect, because I certainly have done things later in life, they, the, the better work tends to be the work you have the least to be in least involvement with in terms of changing what's in front of camera because it's real. Mm -hmm. And it's very meaningful to me that that's your response because that I do think is the value of my photography is you get to be there. Yeah. It, it's it's I it, it's a, a felt sense, you know. It's it's just the it it pulled me as a kid, right. and uh, and that thing is you you said, and I wanted to ask you about the best work. I I always say, Ethan, the best work doesn't come from me, comes through me. Yeah, I think that's true of anybody that understands creativity. Yeah, and right. I wanted to ask you because you uh you started as an English major, and in doing my research on you, you said you got too analytical. You froze up and you couldn't write anymore. For hey, a while. Yeah, does that does that make sense to you? Of course it does. It's overthinking. It's, uh, I get I battle with it every friggin' day. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, academics is about dissection as a rule, I mm -hmm. think, uh, and certainly in the early earlier stages where they're just trying to teach you what a paragraph is or a sentence is. And, and I wanted to be a writer. I mean, it, it's bigger than that in the sense of there's an emotional integration that needs to take place as well. Right. But mm -hmm. I'm glad you can, you see it and you relate to it. Uh, if you don't relate to it, then I'm just, you know, then I'm just an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> But but it was very it was very felt for me because that's exactly the experience. And if you shoot, especially my early stuff with the Beatles and a lot of the stuff with the Stones, mm -hmm. the 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 real act is being on the edge and being quiet and being patient. And you know, I've looked at photographers over the years now, and I did it for years. Um, you know, a lot of photographers back in the days of contact sheets, mm -hmm. you know, you look at the contact sheet and basically be one picture yeah. right? that they took 36 times. Right. And, and mine when that's not what they look like. They look like here's three or four shots. Yeah. Cause that's what you get before you start to break up the moment. Right. right. And, and, the, and that's just the way I did it. But it's also, I think has the, that is the process that creates the value of being there. Yeah. And and knowing and having the situational awareness of the moment, one of the things that uh, that I read is you were a good hang. They wanted to have you around. I mean, the Stones took you on tour. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't. I had no. There. First of all, the the difference between the English and the Americans is cultural and kind of profound. Mm -hmm. uh, they were extremely professional, right? Um, all you know i mean there certainly was whatever there was that we're all familiar with but there wasn't that much of it from my point of view and i didn't have any interest in being their best friend professionally mm -hmm. right to me i wasn't there to hang right right i didn't feel like i was invited to hang mm -hmm. right and and if you sort of are and of course you know i was friends with all of them because they were friendly and it was very small tours like 16 people mm -hmm. that was the touring component of the 1969 tour so you know you all eat together you all travel together you all work together so there's all of that but but i didn't want it to be that if i'm walking by they're gonna expect to do something for the camera that was just like that would destroy everything sure right? so the so the kind of camaraderie whereas i'm as interested in sitting down to you and talking to you as i am and taking your picture just wasn't part of my behavior yeah, but you were. There were. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna rephrase. You weren't gonna take. You were. You were trusted. How's that? You were trusted. Yeah, I was trusted. I think, and 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 that was. A, and trust is essential. Sure. To any art, really, and certainly to that. I was trusted. I think that the the world hadn't. You can actually look at the transition, in my opinion, from what I call the, the you, you know, you have the print culture, then you have sort of the music culture, and then you have image, mm -hmm. right? And as you shift in the image, along with it in popular media is the shift that comes, it shifts to celebrity. So the whole culture of celebrity comes in at that point. And then I think you, you it's harder to have trust because there's so many forces operating against you. Sure. And then lawyers, which is another story. But that's 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 the time you were there. Even when I was talking to Glenn Johns, I go, you were there at the golden moment right. where it was, you know, your, after Mick Jagger, your second call was John Lennon. Yeah, it was. And we got on like a house on fire. We really did. 
I was, I didn't, Yoko Ono wasn't famous yet. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, this was going on. It was going on right as I got there. And I treated her like a human being because that's what I, that's who I am. Right. <laughs> and I took nice pictures of her, you know. Yeah. And so for John, who was starting to have to deal with all the, which they both put up with for 50 fucking years, excuse mm -hmm. me. Sure. Uh, you know, I just treated her like a human being and took pictures of her. And I think that was refreshing, you yeah. know, because it breaks the Fab Four mold. And I really think that had a lot to do. But he's the one that invited me down to Abbey Road for the first time. Why don't you just come on down? It was like that. Yeah. So the next thing you know, I'm riding in the back of the car with John Lennon, you know. Yeah, but you were there for a moment. I mean, I saw the pictures. I've, I've seen your stuff for years, but in your book, there's the pictures of uh, John in the hospital room when Yoko had the miscarriage. He's, he's got the nylon string guitar. He's sitting in the corner, and you're in that room. I know. Uh, and partly, in fairness, you have to attribute it to John would and would continue to, after me, take a liking to people. Right? Mm -hmm. He did. He could become quite enthusiastic about people, and then they would be around him for for a while and so i was certainly i was the beneficiary of that mm -hmm. but i think it's i think being respectful means a lot you know yeah be, well be, being a, a good human being means a lot and respectful is a byproduct of that thank you well called yeah so all right you're in a room with lennon then you get the call to go to uh i think was it uh mal yeah. evans or neil aspinall called you to go to yeah. Neil Aspinall. Who's the head of Apple, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the plot thickens, if you will. You know, because then I'm going in and not working with musicians. I'm working with Neil, who is neither fish nor fowl, truly. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he, he inherited Brian Epstein's position, fundamentally a little bit with Peter Brown. Uh, but he really wasn't that person. It mm -hmm. was, it's an interesting trust commentary, right which is their need for trust mm -hmm. was intense and with all the get back stuff that's coming out now and it's everywhere i don't know if it's everywhere to you but it's everywhere to me mm -hmm. and um and so i'm paying attention to it and i was looking at the work that peter jackson has done in the trailer and reading about it in the book and i've been doing interviews about it and partly what you realize and uh, for me with some compassion which i didn't necessarily have because there were some issues that were difficult uh for what they had they were four they were four 29 year olds right mm. in a studio that had this shit washing over them like a tsunami and really no one else mm -hmm. you know they really didn't have they really did need brian epstein i've been saying it for years but now they're saying it yeah you know and so so what you so then their need to be able to trust was really massive right and so neil was trusted mm -hmm. which is a good thing but trust doesn't mean you're any good at your job <laughs> you yeah. know it doesn't mean that you have a great capacity to do the job and so that became i think the guiding sort of energy in some measure around holding apple together was the people that were around them were they could trust mm -hmm. right but they, but they had, you know, they brought in Alan Klein, and then that trust thing became very much more complicated. Right? Were you but, there for but, the? It started at Twickenham Film Studios, and that's where yeah. you know when you seen the footage of uh, of the tension in the room. I'm sure it was overblown, but what was your impression of the working environment that you were? Well, you were... I don't think it was necessarily particularly overblown. Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, it was shitty on in the Twickenham stages. Now, I didn't hear until recently. And God knows who I heard it from, I think from maybe from Michael, Lindsay Hogg, that the original idea is the only time I've ever had for years. I've said, who had this idea mm -hmm. that you were going to take the biggest rock and roll band in the world, put them on a freezing soundstage at 9 a.m. in the morning and expect to make music. And the one that couldn't deal with that at all was George. I mean, it is kind of as simple as that. He was just like, this is bullshit. I don't want yeah. anything to do with this. Forget any of the personalities. Mm -hmm. This is just crazy what am i doing here and the answer was well we're making a show well he's not the showman yeah right yeah he's a guitar player right uh and and so he didn't want anything to do with it so and i thought it was weird now mm -hmm. the, there's a couple different things going on which is i'm having the greatest time of my life sure i'm not having a bad time i'm having a great time right <laughs> but but they're having a pretty terrible time and it's pretty palpable mm -hmm. um and but the idea, so since it's, so, it's sort of fabulous, right? So if, do you know the 
at least it makes sense in a way that otherwise Twickenham makes no sense, yeah. right? Uh, are you familiar with the the promotional video, Hey Jude? Yeah, yeah, they shot it on the uh, the uh, who's who's David Frost was it? Well, it wouldn't have been Dave. No, it was a promo. It was done by Michael Lindsay Hogg because mm-hmm. that's what the Brits used to do if they weren't traveling or couldn't travel. They do a little three minute film, and most of those were done by Michael, mm-hmm. who was the director of Let It Be, among other things, and. Uh, but he would do the promo films as well. So that Hey Jude was a big success. Michael, so this is I'm re- I'm reading about it, something Michael just wrote, mm-hmm. and and he says, well, we had this four minute, you know, you can't fill that that time with four people, sure, right? So the idea of bringing the kids in to sing that chorus as a group was both a, a good and necessary idea. Mm-hmm but became the catalyst for what all of the let it be was going to be. Mm. You know, they're basically, they set up the drum kit and by the time the thing starts, it's completely all Tony's idea for the lights. Tony was the cameraman, mm-hmm. uh, which are these pools of light was he was adding them every day. So they were going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the time all this was done, if you can imagine They've completely written an album. The three weeks they have to do this is beyond. You couldn't get people to do a demo today. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, so the level of skill is beyond, beyond. And, and get, and and the uh, getting back to the trust level, you picked the pictures. The let it be cover was you. Well, they were overwhelmed. Yeah, no, we really did. Uh, they were they they were overwhelmed they were constantly overwhelmed all of it apple was overwhelmed they mm-hmm. were overwhelmed the the you know what's happening next and by the time we were doing the book they were really barely holding on that they were going to remain a group mm-hmm. you know so i think it was you know but but equally that whole culture that grew up that said, said you know what's your idea for the cover the, the the best thing with Who's Next, there was nobody involved with Who's Next. There was nobody involved with Quadrophenia. Nobody was saying to me, what's your idea? Yeah. Okay, well, you Who's know? Next, now that you brought it up. Okay, I, I just got to tell the audience. The Columbia Record and Tape Club. You get yeah. 10 albums for a penny. The worst business model in history. Yeah. So right, right, right. the Columbia, I, I was a kid. My, I tortured my mother to send away for it. First album yeah. I got, Who's Next? Put on, uh, won't get fooled oh, again. Was a steal on Columbia <laughs> record history. Yeah, you know, anyway, boom! It just blew my head off. Just, just that album just blew my head off. You shot the cover uh, right. of that album. So, if the story's correct, you were just driving in a car with the with the Who, and you passed that slag heap. Passed it. Went past it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it was a complete accident. There was absolutely, you know, you cannot have that idea. Right. You know what I mean? Tell us your idea. Yeah. You can't have that idea, right? And so they were they were quite far along with who's next when when Glenn, Glenn called me in to, mm-hmm. to, to meet Pete, right? And Pete and I are easy because Pete's a conceptualist and Pete writes things that you can kind of get your teeth into. And at that point, when I was moving somewhat beyond, because I've never, I, I was, I wanted to do album covers because I wanted to be part of the music. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't about the image of the album cover. It was wanting to be close to the music. That seemed like the thing to do. Right. And then when my nature is because I was attracted to the writer, I was attracted to the singer songwriter. That's what really meant the most to me. And so I thought, well, what what's it going to be? And I'd been working for a little bit, trying to think what might be it to try and backdoor my way into what might be a cover mm-hmm. right and we never got there and they had to go do a gig and Pete said come on the gig right and so I went up and traveled with him which is a whole separate story he drove like 100 miles an hour <laughs> they took his license away <laughs> in the rain man you know <laughs> on the freeway talking to the guy in the right seat you know I, you know it was more than I could take I got up there they played and I set up what, because again, didn't know what it was going to be. Mm. And so I set up this sort of destroyed dressing room idea, which is the back cover, yeah, which is pretty bogus, but mm. that's what I had at that point. And we're going back the next day. I'm, I'm uptight because if, you know, if you got to perform, you got to perform and anxiety is associated and I had to perform and I didn't have it. And mm-hmm. I know it. And we were going back same speed, 
same rainy, almost invisible, going down uh, like not a motorway, but similar. Mm -hmm. And I saw these shapes. And I mean, literally, they were past because we were going that fast. And there was a roundabout mm -hmm. and, I, and, and no roundabout, no who's next cover, period. Because mm. at the roundabout, Pete says, do you have any ideas? I didn't have any ideas, but I said, there's these shapes back mm -hmm. here. And so zoom, 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 it's very small. It's like three cars, very small caravan. And we walked out onto this uh, kind of cross between a garbage area and a moonscape kind of thing and walked out to where they were. I didn't know what they were. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have a contact sheet. It's in my latest book and the contact sheet is where um and whistle and daltrey and moon and pete too to a certain extent are doing the apes from 2001 mm -hmm. because that was the obvious association sure right and i and i shot it but i thought you can't do that right right you know that's you just can't do that and then and um and then i was kind of I don't know, looked down, looking at a Polaroid, who the hell knows? And I looked up and Pete had pissed on it. And that just was like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's, let's do that. And, and then the others couldn't. So I, you know, if you look at the marks on the, on the monolith, yeah. they're almost exactly the, you know, a 35 millimeter film can, yeah. and it looks like that's that amount of water, right? Yeah. Which was all in the ground because it's raining because it's single, yeah. right? So it's pulled up. And, and I didn't shoot a lot, you know, maybe I shot 15 frames. Speaking of people that go, you yeah. know, I don't, I didn't shoot a lot. Cause I sort of was freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then we, and then, so then we go, okay, you, are you done? Yes, I'm done. And, um, uh, about, you know, 10 miles down the road, I go, shit, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Did oh they did they have the same experience? Were they like yes, or they were just? No, I think they. I don't think you know. They're not photographers. That's one of the things I learned. I sort of assume it's a. I think anything I can do, everybody else can do. Mm -hmm. I just always had that mindset. Yeah. It's not accurate. Yeah. Right. Musicians, as a rule, can't visualize. Mm. As a rule, uh, and and so I don't. I think you know. It was done. I don't think anybody had any idea. And Pete said in Who Am I that he wasn't particularly fond of Who's Next. He loved Quadrophenia. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, I, I never heard that he wasn't particularly fond of Who's Next. And so it was then only number one album, and he didn't like it. And because I read the book too. And yeah, okay. here's what I suspect. Let's talk about Pete while he's not here. Here's what I suspect, even. He, it was Lifehouse. He couldn't get the idea. So he, it's just yeah. a part of a vision. He couldn't, I don't think he liked it because of the emotional toll it took on him. I think that's a really fair call. Besides which, he wrote that, right? So speaking of writing, mm -hmm. everything that you're suggesting, it has an entirely, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had written an entire thing and it had gotten reduced by Glenn. Yeah. Because Glenn wasn't doing Lighthouse, right? Didn't want to do Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. It's not Glenn kind of thing. And um, and I think that that kind of, I think also extrapolating like you are, we're, are we coming out of Tommy? We're coming out of Tommy. Yeah. And so Tommy is an opera and Tommy is all those things and all that's gone by the wayside. And, and then you get, you know, this sort of who the fuck knows album cover. Yeah. Uh, but then it's, a, but it's a hit just yeah. like the album. It's a monster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then so, Quadrophenia was the one he loved. And that's where I, I want to go next because I still have my album and I still have from the Columbia record and tape club. And I still okay. have the, uh, the, the book you shot. It, it's I've, I've carried these things with me. These are the important things that I've had. Yeah, it's, you know, that's nice. And it's, and I, thanks. Yeah. So, but Quadrophenia was, um, the thing I loved in, in reading it is Pete calls you up. If I remember correctly, you were in the United States. Yeah. yeah he calls you up, plays you the song and tells you the story. No, no, no calls me up and I go to England. He yeah. just, I go to England and then he tells me the story. Same thing. That, it's okay. Okay. You got a private audience with Pete Townsend playing you these songs and telling you the story. What, what is that like? Well, so he had a, a terrific place on Twickenham, mm -hmm. you know, so it's all, uh, right by the canal. It's really, it's beautiful. Uh, and it was just small and intimate and, and I'm listening. So I can't say, 
the expectation of sitting down and talking to Pete and saying, what are you going to do? That in and of itself was what I expected. That's why I flew to England. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, I, I would that didn't that wasn't like a big moment for me. The moment was being called over. And then I knew that 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 what I wanted to do was try at least this was the um, this was a conscious thought. What I wanted to do was try and support the story that he mm -hmm. was writing because it was it was obvious to do that. And he's the obvious writer for it, right? Um, Pete was behind it. Daltrey never really felt. Daltrey always felt, what? Why is an American shooting this? That's mm -hmm. he really did. He hated that. Right. You know, why is an American shooting? mods they don't even know what they are mm. and the answer is he's completely right i didn't know what they were no that turned out to be the good news <laughs> right because because therefore they had to teach me what it was yeah. and so in the teaching to me and we built the scooter and we built all that i mean there's a reasonable amount of sort of set production which is pretty unusual for an album book you know uh that went into doing that and but I learned, and then where you find an interesting response to it is Americans who have no idea what that is, right? And what that's all about, get it because of the book. Yeah, that's, I understood it by seeing your pictures, by seeing his room, by seeing the scooters. I, the thing with Tommy that I loved, I mean, I love the music, but I didn't understand. I don't know what a holiday camp was. I'm from Long Island. What do I know? There you go. That, and that's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. I know what a holiday camp is now, and so do you. Yeah. What were your impressions uh, of the band? I did this with Glenn, and I I'd love to do it with you. Uh, I'll give you a name and just give me an impression of what pops into your head. Uh, Keith Moon. Well, bifurcated. Yeah. You know, I mean, explosive in the obvious ways that he was explosive, mm -hmm. but his persona that was still a persona, yeah. with me anyway, was, even my good man. Yeah. How are you doing today? <laughs> you know, he was very kind of charming and i was always all those people being nice to me at all was always a revelation you right. know it's like okay that's so great you're being nice to me right why right you know? uh and but he was always kind of charming we didn't have much interaction beyond that uh mm. and i talked to pete at one point and and not really getting it and then you know pete had a drummer that couldn't drum yeah at a certain point and, and that I could understand that, you know, I don't want to, you know, have a cameraman that can't shoot, yeah. you know, uh, so there's all of that. And the wildness and the craziness, I, I, part of it, I read about part of it, you know, but the guy, poor fellow, he was a horrible alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. How about Ant Whistle? Not a word. Not a that's, word. That, you know, that's generally the response to the bass player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't. I don't think he ever said three words to me. He probably said three words to me, and I probably said three words to him. So nothing really. Yeah. How um, was uh, uh, Lennon? You actually had Lennon's phone number, from what I read. I did. Yeah. Uh, because give me a call. Yeah. You know, and he was early for me too. So you know, by the time I'm doing Quadrophenia, I've been doing this for five and six years. Right? Sure. John's like my second gig, so and he gives me his phone number which is handy because I kind of blew the first session that I shot with him, or at least I thought I did. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I had to call him up, which was, you can imagine that. Sure. Um, Hi, John. I don't think I did quite as well. Come on by, dude. We'll shoot again. <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly right. The greater the great, you know, wow. it's sort of like the ones with, you know, the greater the great. I now I got to ask you to change from that that time when you saw him and then the last because you were one of the you you were the, the session that the Beals the last time they were ever photographed together at Tittenhurst Park. Yeah. Um that was very last minute change. In other words, Neil had called me and said we're gonna shoot him in the, and we're gonna shoot him in the studio, mm -hmm. photographic studio. Uh and and so I was prepping to do that and the night before we were supposed to do that, he said we're going to John's, right? So it was so formless in the sense of, I just went, yeah. right? Uh, and and so it was sort of catch as catch can. Uh, the picture I like the best is, is the one which is the least on them. It's the statues. 
it was there were more people than I was used to uh -huh. because there were, but by today's standards it's a bad it's a small you know it's a small cover shoot for 45 or whatever you know uh, -huh. uh but there were probably the four of them wives because wives were now part of the entourage and Mal Evans Neil wasn't there but uh Norris Derek which uh but there were probably eight to 10 to 12 people wandering about. Mm -hmm. But it was that wandering about that made me anxious because it was all focused on me. And yet that's not my modus operandi. My modus operandi is I focus on you. Yeah, you. they were looking to you to orchestrate it. Right. And I'm not an orchestrator. So I have I took me a long time at the in retrospect, in the sort of spirit of it's what's it like to be there? Mm -hmm. That's what you got <laughs> right you got what it was really like to be there it, you didn't get something that makes you feel good about the beatles yeah. you know what i mean you didn't get something you get something that that that's like i don't think george smiled once yeah that entire day you know he was so over it so you get that sense i feel badly because i feel i'm partly responsible for that because i wasn't giving them direction mm -hmm. And I could have maybe done some lighter photographs of the Beatles, but I, George still wouldn't have smiled. I guarantee you <laughs> what I did. So, uh, so I feel a little bit badly about it, but at the end, I, I feel fine in the sense that it, they're true. They're true. Yeah. That's, that's the double-edged sword, the, the good and the bad news. You got right. the truth. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think they had so much going on then. I mean, the biggest ongoing thing for them is what to do about Alan Klein. Yeah. They had yeah. no management. They knew they needed management. Mm -hmm. Klein had come in always, a, always a question mark to me because I knew the stones better and I knew the stones sort of office people better than I knew the people at Apple. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, cause when I, for, for example, was, I mean, just obviously when I'm photographing the Beatles, with very rare exceptions and not that last session, there's a film crew there. Yeah. You know, this is not people that are just hanging out that I'm photographing. But the Stones, it was more casual and I would hang out of the office because I was friends and I would hear them talk about Alan Klein, you know, circuit pre rock and roll circus. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't, you know, they couldn't get money. They didn't mean money. Yeah. Klein had all the money. That's why, did, well, if I remember correct, that's why he did the rock and roll circus because of the drug conviction. They couldn't tour. They had to make some money. They couldn't tour and they had to make some money. And the money that they had in America, they couldn't get. Yeah. So why does Mick Jagger say to John Lennon, which is what I've always read, I don't know if it's true, that Klein was okay. Why did they have anything to do with Klein? Mm -hmm. That was his reputation. Yeah. So why they did that, he, he must have been... But I mean, I knew him a little, not well. Uh, he must have been awfully good and persuasive because he got three of them to sign. Yeah. Well, they you were know? all pissed at Paul because Paul wanted his father-in-law. And like, really? Really? Your father-in-law? Yeah, but that's too bad. That's a cold, that's a cold bust, right? Because yeah. his father-in-law, no doubt, would have been better, right? Yeah. Uh, but, and I frankly look at what Paul did as, as you know, I got involved with that a little bit later before they fully broke up. And, and I was kind of like, and I said something to Neil Aspinall about Alan Klein, who had all the photographs, had all the photographs from Let It Be. Mm -hmm. All of them. He had them. Yeah. And, and uh, Neil said, don't worry, we'll get them back. Right. So I guess they did, but it took them 10 years and God knows what. Yeah. Well, but the, we didn't get the book in America. There was a book in Let It Be was, was released. We didn't get it in America because Klein made a deal for the movie. He That's took right. the money. That's, That's right. That's what I heard. Yeah. I mean, think about this. He shows up and I don't know, obviously, what the contracts were pre-Klein. Right. But he shows up and these guys, this is that same thing. They're the biggest people in the world and they're freezing to death at 9 a.m. in the morning trying to make a record. Well, there's an explanation for that if you finally can get it. Mm -hmm. Why are they so bums rushed to sign these contracts? Yeah. You know, because the minute he's got the signatures, he kills the book, <laughs> he kills the package, mm -hmm. brings in Phil Spector, if ever you have, want to have compassion for any one of them, but Paul McCartney in particular, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Right? And 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 
it's being done by this guy that's, you know, it's 1700 Broadway or whatever Abco was. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's all of a sudden he, he didn't care about them. He got the signatures and then all of a sudden he's just making it move, dumps the movie, dumps the book, puts out the record with overdubs by this American. Yeah. It, I yeah. mean, it's just, it's appalling. Yeah. It's appalling. And it's hard for people like, the Beatles were so mythic, but really they had the power. We gave it to them. Yeah. Right? They had all the power. And yet that's not how they experienced it. And it was hard for people, I think, on the outside to think, well, why can't they do just whatever they want all the time? You know? Well, yeah, it's like the, you, it's like what you said. You think people can do everything you can do and they can. Right. And they can. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. and you, uh, I think the Daily Beast was right. You've had more luck than any human being should be allowed to. What a ride, my friend. And your pictures meant so much to me. I those like I said, the seventy-three pictures of the Who in rehearsal. I had a cheap Les Paul copy and I saw that picture and boom. That that's what I said I, I have to follow this feeling. And it led me to Pete Townsend and it led me to all the stuff that I still hold dear today and I can't thank you enough. Well, it's great. And thank you. And and just thank you. <laughs> Take care. The ADD interview was brought to you by cruiseintowellness.com. You get 20% off with the coupon code Adam. Yes, you do. You know why? Because you're with me. Anybody asked, you're with me. You go there for your edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, and your pet products. All right? All right. Cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hi, my name is Ethan Russell, and that was 30 Minutes I'll Never Get Back. I've written this new album. I want you to take some pictures of it. Why don't you fly over here, and then I'll tell you the story. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to picture what would that be like if Pete Townsend called me to come over to, <laughs> to Adam London. wants that call so bad. Oh, so badly. Yes. How great would that be? I mean, he got that call. And he, he got the and he got a private audience with Pete Townsend. Yeah, honey. I was like, how about he was helping needy kids mm -hmm. gets a phone call, wasn't really a photographer. So he went from helping needy kids to helping needy adults. Yeah, yes. You know, because <laughs> he got thrown into that world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great uh, point. Music, drugs. I mean, what could go wrong? Yeah. His first call was Mick Jagger, his second call was John Lennon. I know, that's pretty cool. This shit never happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> we got to anybody. You know Adam? what happens to me? I get a call from Phil. We have to move the production schedule. I'm not anywhere near <laughs> internet till Monday. I have to. I have to. I can tether on Monday. Yeah, I can tether on Monday. My grandmother says that's a good time to record. <laughs> but I was very excited to talk to Ethan. I, uh, I I wore my Quadrophenia shirt and everything. Still fits. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, so it's okay for you to wear a shirt because you're a fan, right? But I can't wear a Dolphins jersey when I go to a Miami <laughs> Dolphins football game. All of a sudden, I'm nine <laughs> years old because I wear a Dolphins or a Phillies jersey. And okay. you wear a shirt, though. You're wearing a jersey with another man's name on it, okay? You know what? So I'm if you're older than the man whose name is on the back of your jersey, you're not allowed to wear it anymore. I'm an enthusiastic <laughs> fan. I want to show support for my team. I'm wearing a jersey. And what happened was last time you went to a Dolphin game? They lost 56 to nothing. <laughs> Stay home. Yes, honey. Phil, I'm just saying, sounds like you just had a tantrum. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> because he's always busting my balls about wearing my baseball cap and my jersey and whatever else. It doesn't even have to have a name. Just the Phillies. What are you, nine years old? But yet you wear a shirt because you're a fan. But I love that. Okay. You what, but you, no, the reason I, you don't listen to me. What happened when you wore a Phillies jersey to the Dodger game? Ooh. That's a whole other thing I don't want to talk about. I don't even right? What did I? Okay. That's just I, not smart. Okay. What did I tell you? <laughs> let me I rephrase. Listen, Dodgers fans are very aggressive. That's yes. all. Let me, let, let me rephrase. What did I tell you was going to happen <laughs> if you wore a Phillies jersey to the Dodger game? You exactly what you said happened would happen, okay? But that's different. That's that's I wore. Oh, that's different. different. Yeah. How's that different? It's not different because, at all. Because I, I told you what was going to happen. Park. I wasn't. I, I wasn't in the Phillies park. 
I told you, don't do this. Nah, what do you know? Guess what I know? I know the future is what I know. (laughs) He's going to come to you in a dream someday, Phil. (laughs) Whatever, man. Listen, I was able to dodge the knife. I'm fine. (laughs) Everything's okay. But I feel I totally understand. When you get excited and you're a fan, you want to do that. And that's what I did. I wore my shirt and I asked questions about my favorite bands. And he, he was so gracious. I mean, the man has taken some of the most iconic pictures in rock and roll history. Oh, man. And and to hear the story behind who's next. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, that it was like almost an afterthought. It was like, do you have a plan? No, we don't really have a plan. Oh, wait a minute. Turn around in the circle. And it's just if the circle wasn't there, they don't do that shot. Yeah. They go back. And then they ha- and then Pete Townsend, just because he's Pete Townsend, takes a leak on the monolith. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's all do that. And then they couldn't go. So in my mind's eye, they had all taken a leak. And now you hear that, no, it was just water that they got from the ground mm-hmm. and poured onto the rock. And I'm like, that is brilliant. And I still think, yeah. listen, Sergeant Pepper, the album cover is the most iconic album cover of all time. But who's next for me is my favorite because mm-hmm. I just, it summed up the attitude of that band with that one photo. And it just has always struck me as why I love the who, because that was them. Yeah. Well, I, I was just so, so pleased to hear that Pete Townsend drives like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that whole sense of like, he didn't even know why they were stopping. Like, he just trusted that he had to do that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like trusting his instincts, I think, has gotten that guy so far in life. His instincts are pure. And I think that's that's a beautiful artistic sense when you can let go and just trust that artistic feeling and let it flow through. Like, is, weren't you guys talking? Didn't you say the phrase like it doesn't come to you? It like flows through you. Yeah, that's 100 percent what was going on. Yeah, there. I don't. Well, I, I mean, in that moment, I don't think he, he trusted his instincts. He's like, well, I saw shapes back there. Let's stop. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, he he said, you know, I just took a couple shots and said, let's get out of here. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, and he goes, well, yeah, he said, he took like 15 shots, and if it's there, it's there. Going off what you're saying, Mark, yes, Mm -hmm. I truly believe that. He has a very creative instinct Mm -hmm. that you you can't buy, you just have it. But I think what kept him in the room or got him in the room was who he is as a person, Mm -hmm. his authentic character. He, he was so trustworthy and like he was saying that they needed trust enormously, yeah. you know, when you get to a certain stage and I understand why people have entourages and all that kind of stuff. One untrustworthy person can knock the whole thing off balance. Mm. The fact that he was so cool speaks volumes. Yeah, of- he was there to, he had, he had a job to do. He never, uh, he, he wasn't there to be their friends. He was there to do a job. Well, well you said but he-, he was still trust, you know, they, they trusted him. The Beatles, he picked the album cover he picked the pictures he actually said and uh i read an article where the only one that changed the picture was ringo because mm-hmm. the original picture he had of ringo ringo was looking down and ringo just said i don't think i look as good as me mates and then, <laughs> well you know there's and that then he put that picture of ringo in there but i think you know when he was saying i don't know there was some quote about he was at the he's the luckiest person yeah the daily beast uh, yeah ethan and- russell has more luck than any human being should be allowed to Right. And I believe in luck, but I once you have that luck or meaning the synchronicity of life where it takes you, mm-hmm. where you happen to be, then you got to like, it's up to you and your character. Right. To yes. Make if, you the ha- best. if you feel that and you're aware that you get to a crap table immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but trust, I mean, yeah, luck will only take you so far. You know, it's a perfectly said, Alex, you know, you it might get you to the door, but you got to walk mm-hmm. through that door and then you got to right. make things happen and and he was able to do that and you know i think part of the reason why they liked it because he didn't he wasn't in there with an angle like yeah. so many people i think were pulling it you know it's stars like that they they have an angle of something they want they either want money or they want to siphon off fame or something like that mm-hmm. and he just didn't they were the, he didn't have an agenda no you know, he just well he in was there. interesting his awareness that he moved when they moved from being musicians to uh, personalities and then to celebrity and then when celebrity happens an image happens then the lawyers come in now, my question for you, Adam, is yes. if if luck brought you to that door, mm-hmm. do you think that you would be able to act as cool and trustworthy as uh, as Ethan did? Meeting John Lennon? Yeah. I'd shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Excuse I me, too. I think you messed yourself then. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Smell yeah, something. This is Adam. He'd shit himself, and then he'd go, yeah. okay, you don't want to do that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know what? If if I knew I uh, uh, if I knew I was going to meet them, I would get, go through all the oh my god, oh my god, oh my god before I get there. If I was surprised, right. like when I when I met Ethan and and Glenn Johns, it was over a Zoom screen, and I didn't know they were going to be there. They popped on. First words I said to the both of them was, "Holy shit, it's you!" Yeah. <laughs> they love that. It seems. And yeah. then Glenn Johns, they went, "Holy shit, it's you too!" You know. <laughs> That's so great, man. Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, by the way, I can give you shit for it. But I would act the same way. I would be a total mess. I've, I've been that way with celebs. And mm. It's tough. Adam puts me in that situation, too, sometimes. He calls me up one night, and uh, I was doing a gig somewhere, flying in late to LAX. He goes, uh, he goes, what time's your flight land? I said, I said, 11 o'clock. He goes, I'll pick you up. You want to meet Apollo Creed? Oh, wow. I go, yeah, I go, what? He goes, yeah, Carl Weathers, directing a film in Pasadena. My buddy's on the set. I'll take you. You meet Apollo Creed. Now, Mark, do I want to meet Carl Weathers? <laughs> Damn straight you, you, you do. You might as well go. They're, they're handing out bags of cash. You want to go? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I said, yeah, pick me up, man. So he picks me up. Now we're in the car, and Adam's like, he's he's like, he, he's like prepping me. He's like, listen, man, don't get how you get. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, don't meet him and be like, hey, yo, Apollo, don't let you be no rematch. I said, I'm not gonna do that. All right. I wouldn't even do that line, first of all. <laughs> pick another one. But um, but yeah, we go to the set and Adam, who was your buddy on the set, by the way? My friend Gary. Yeah, Gary, that's right. And uh, it's Gary, Adam, myself, and Carl Weathers. We're sitting there like a football huddle. There was a break, and uh, for about 15 minutes, we're just talking. And Mark, I'm like, you know, I was trying to listen to what he was saying, but in my head, I'm like, I am standing toe-to-toe with Apollo <laughs> Creed. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, I was like a kid. It was, you know what I mean? Oh, that's yeah. so cool. You know what's funny is, is we're all sitting there, and Phil, Phil does this thing where he's trying to be cool, where he just, like, pushed the energy away, or he's on a heroin nod. It, you can't really <laughs> tell the difference. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah. it's cool to see you, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. And, I, you know, and then we're in the car driving back, and I'm like, man, I wanted to take his picture. And Adam was like, you should have asked him. I, I, I didn't want to be a fan. Yeah, but in that circumstance, it's okay to say, you know, is it cool if I get a picture? And most people say, sure, and then you just go up and click, and and you're done. Is it okay to say, can I get a quick kiss? You can take your chances. I'm not kissing you, but... <laughs> See, I, I tried that with Laura Dern. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, honey. I just want you to know, Adam, next mm-hmm. time you get to meet Carl Weathers, mm-hmm. you're bringing me, because he's on my favorite show, The Mandalorian... He's the Ooh, yeah. yeah yeah he's a bounty hunter that he is cool on that show okay yeah okay all right I will bring he's a you, badass honey you you got it I will bring you to meet the bounty hunter on the Mandalorian cleverly disguised as Carl Weathers yay <laughs> <laughs> okay you guys you guys I've been dying to ask you this question what all right what do you guys value do you value would you value more trust mm-hmm. or skill that was very interesting what he said. Oh, yeah, because um, uh, they were running Apple. Mal Evans was running Apple because they trusted him. Doesn't mean he was good at his job. That's a yeah. good question. Yeah, I, I I would value trust because mm-hmm. you can always teach someone something right? or put them somewhere. I, I think I'd value trust. I mean, he was a winner mm-hmm. um, because he had both. He had skill and trust. We could trust him. Ethan. Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. Mal Evans, we couldn't. Apple was driven right. No, no, no. I'm talking about Ethan. He was, he, he was the winning combination. Yeah. He was trusted and he had the skill to pick. Okay. Mark, skill or trust? Well, as you know, my time working the Corleone olive oil import company, I didn't know anything (laughs) about that, but they brought me in and they said, trust is more important than skill. We'll teach you everything you need to know. Trust to me is everything. That's what uh, Mm -hmm. my boss told me. All right. Philip. Yeah, I totally agree with Alex. It's trust because I trust you, Adam, to a certain degree. Mm. <laughs> you know, only so I mean, far. I, I just I never know when something's authentic or if you're getting ready to screw with me. I don't know. <laughs> but I, you know. But yeah, no, I, I'd say trust. Yeah, because I trust you. I would seriously. All kidding aside, I would trust all of you actually with my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now it's it's, it's got to be trust for me. Like, you can always find skill. You can find someone to do it. Mm-hmm. But I would trust somebody to say, "Look, I'm not going to screw you, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing." That's <laughs> that's right. yeah. yeah. You want that honesty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice to hear from someone who's so trustworthy and a true insider. I really felt like I was in the room learning about what really happened. Yeah. And I really think that he respected that you understood what it meant to be in that room. Oh, the value of, of his experience? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, I'm a grown man wearing a who shirt saying, tell me this, tell me this, <laughs> tell me this. He liked it. He liked that you knew exactly where he was and the, the whole atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I liked like when you were talking about the the Beatles shoot for Let It Be, mm-hmm. and, and again going back to his point of like you know wanting to be you know not staging stuff. He's like you were there, like you saw the pictures, you know exactly what the vibe was. Like he really brought you into that moment. Yeah. He's like yeah, George wasn't gonna smile that whole day. It was kind of a tense day, and it was weird. He's like I was having fun, but you know that mood really captured it. And to that point, Alex, you're talking about being an insider. The photographs really like allow you in there, but his his experience about talking about those moments really fully just made you feel like you were like handing him film canisters. Be like, here you go, Ethan. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were on set with him then. It was just so fascinating. Yeah. And Adam, you're like, yeah, wasn't it this? Uh, no, this is what really happened. Like, Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> hey, I, I only know from the books. I'm like, Ooh, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Makes me want to read his book. And mm-hmm. while I say that, Adam, there's a little surprise I have for you. What? Something came in the mail for you. Take a look at this. What is, what is that? Oh. <laughs> Hold on. Dun, dun, dun. opening the package. Oh, my God. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Did you buy this? No, it was sent to you. From a very great person. It's from it's from Ethan. Ethan he oh. sent me his book. Look at this. <laughs> Look oh, at that. Wow. Oh, wow. that's his book. That's, that's Keith great. Richards. I think that's the seventy-one tour. He's getting off. Oh, that is a cool picture. That he, he's getting awesome. off with a tequila sunrise and a bag full of dope. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> this Keith. is oh, so cool. Goodness. He sent me the book. Oh, that's and he awesome. signed really, it. Really cool. Yeah. That that that's is a cool. what do they call uh, a true gentleman? That there, yes. yeah, that that's classy yeah. and great. And that I, is classy. That look at that, that's look a nice picture. book. Look at yeah, look at this. Look at a picture of Lennon on the back. This mm-hmm. this is really good to do on an audio podcast. Look at this. <laughs> look at this. <laughs> this is great. I'm I am going to put this, honey. This is a great book. We need a better coffee table for this book. We need a better coffee table. <laughs> Absolutely right. And until we get a better coffee table, I'm going to put it right up there in my studio next to the next to the book that was given to me by Mark Stern. The drawings of Raphael. I got that there. Oh, there you go. Yep, and I got the book, The Art of War, the bound copy of Art of War my wife gave me. Phil mm-hmm. has given me nothing. Nothing. Because <laughs> like I said before, you're selfish. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> what a dick. I cannot thank Ethan Russell enough for being my guest on the show. Yeah, and I can't wait to read that book. It is beautiful. It yeah. is absolutely beautiful. And uh, you can go to EthanRussell.com, and, and I'm sure he sells them there as well. It's really, really well done. I'm a big fan, and he made me very, very happy. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrar at Gmail. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, I want to thank uh, everyone that leaves us a review. I see them every week. And I want to thank Sue and Imelda again for the lovely reviews that we get. Uh, it helps the show grow. It helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And please remember, life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. My anxiety was kicking in. And my dad came to me in a dream. And it just it comforted me. I woke up in the morning. Mm. And I thought about it. And I said, you know what? My, my dad is right. And I took Arizona. And they covered. So... <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, there you go. I thought this was going to be some angelic, inspirational story, and it's about money. Yeah. Yeah. Angelic inspiration. I oh, hit Chris. a parlay. Oh, Thank you, Pop. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Hitting a parlay is beautiful to me, Phil. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.